0: Woo
1: Y'all are really going to enjoy this today. You're probably not going to say amen very much, but uh, if the if the first if the first service was any was any indication, I just need to find where the sermon is. There it is. Uh, this last Wednesday. Woo Yeah, Brad. Uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I've heard the boy. Well, I wasn't quite expecting all this. And uh, it was it was good, it was good. I understand that we uh, had some issues with uh, live streaming, so I apologize about that. But man, uh, it was live here. I'll tell you that—that's for sure. Uh, this Wednesday, I uh, think we have Justin or is Reverend Brown back from Hawaii? He's not. Okay, so he's probably not gonna. Yeah, well, Lulu, Lulu, okay. He, uh, he probably won't be making an appearance, but Justin will be, and I hope you will be as well, because it's uh, 6.30, 6.30 on Wednesday night. Would you stand with me, and let's read a very familiar passage of Scripture from the beginning of the 8th chapter of John. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her again he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, who are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the life that's in your Word, for the freedom that's in your Word, for the power that's in your Word. And I pray that that your word would be all of those things in us today through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. amen. You may be seated when I, uh, I, I don't know why, but, um, when I read, read this passage and when I was getting ready to, to preach on it this week, the phrase quick draw on the law came to my mind and, uh, Kind of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people sort of uh, array themselves with their, with, their, with their bullets and they got the law in there ready to go out and, and get them some people. And the reason these teachers of the law and the Pharisees were doing this really had little to do with this woman. They were just going to kill her. They were trying to trap Jesus. They, they had an agenda. And when we come to Scripture with an agenda... We're certainly doomed to fail. We may be technically right but we're going to be definitely wrong when we come with an agenda we virtually always come with an agenda against them whoever them may happen to be it may be a, 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 another gender it may be another people group it may be just folks who disagree with us may, in particular anybody who's got different doctrine that, that's that's definitely where the the them comes in when I was younger I wasted a lot of time searching for ammo uh, in the in the war with those who did not believe that the rapture was going to happen before the tribulation When I first came to the church here, I'd have people who come up to me, they'd go, Pastor, what, what's, your, what's your position on uh, the rapture? Pre-trib, yes, yes, we're with you, brother. And they were for a couple of months. Until <laughs> they found out what my position was on some other things. And, and then they decided maybe not to stay. Uh, and then uh, over time, I began to uh, realize that uh, maybe this was a big waste of time. Because, you see, I discovered... Exactly when the rapture is going to happen. It's, it's going to happen when it happens. There it is. Argument over. It's done. Well, what about the tribulation? Well, I don't, are you going through the tribulation right now? Some people are. Uh, I also uh, used to spend a lot of time getting out ammo to uh, prove others wrong. You, do you know that there are people who don't believe in speaking in tongues? And some of them are probably in this room. And you know what? That's okay. I speak in tongues. So shoot me. <laughs> you know? God will heal me if you do. There you go. Uh, uh, That's so crazy. I'm getting so crazy here. Uh, Don't shoot me. I really don't want to be shot. Let's not test the Lord our God, shall we? Okay. And who was I going to use this ammo on? My brothers and sisters. I mean, they needed a dose of this. What I got. What would it be like if we put as much energy in, I'm going to say several really good things today, and this is one of them, so listen to it. What would it be like if we put as much energy into loving others as we put into proving them wrong? What kind of world would this be? I don't know, because I've never actually lived in that kind of world, but we could one person at a time, we can change it. When we're talking about them, uh, just let me go here because this is where these guys were going. Uh, Oftentimes it's, it's the sisters who get singled out as far as the, them are concerned. And, and you know, just not that I feel that anybody needs it, but just because I know that you're interested, let me give you some examples. Ephesians 5, 23, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. I believe that. I believe it 100%, but I do not believe that it was given to keep the little woman in line. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs> yeah. But that's often how it is used. You know, a couple of verses later, uh, in, in, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Well, I would, but she just, that woman's got a mouth on her. How, how am I going to lay down my life for her? Such is the burden of leadership. You're not, being the leader doesn't mean that you get to wait until everybody else straightens out. Doesn't mean that your job is straightening everybody else out. It means you get to serve first. That's what being the leader means. I I mean, seriously, as Christ laid down his life for the church, who, who initiated that? Who started that? I mean, was it Christ coming to us and laying down his life and wooing us? Or was it us going, oh, please, we need you. He started it. He's the one who began it. That's where where the onus lies in this situation. (laughs) Okay. Well, and then there's the argument about women being silent in church. Did you hear this, Valerie? (laughs) Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Bang! If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home because he spent the entire day reading the word. And <laughs> for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. And boy, that one gets used a lot. Uh, the issue is, and some of you know where I'm going to go with this. Uh, Paul wrote that, but I don't think he said it. I think he was quoting those ignorant Corinthians for a couple of reasons. Number one, Paul goes on to say in the next verse, did the word of God originate with you or or are you the only people it's reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. And what did he write to them? Well he started the chapter out by saying that every one of them should seek to prophesy. You can't prophesy till you open your mouth and speak. And then, just a few verses before this, he wrote, "What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Now I will say this: Most of the older translations just say, "What shall we say, brothers?" uh all virtually all of the new ones say what should we say brothers and sisters uh eugene peterson kind of evades the whole thing and the message and just says "Well, what are we going to say about this doesn't mention any any gender or anything uh peterson is interesting his his mom was a preacher for a while he was uh eugene peterson's the guy who who uh wrote the message bible or translated the message bible And he was raised in Montana and he's an old guy. Uh, And he, uh, so he, when he was a boy in Montana, it was a, it was kind of a wild and woolly area. It's still a little wild and woolly in a lot of places, but he was raised in Montana. His daddy was a butcher and would go to church every now and then his mom was the, was the the spiritual rock in the home. That's an unusual situation, isn't it? And, uh, and she would go out and she'd go to bars and preach. She'd go to the, I think they actually call them saloons. But she'd go there and she'd preach the gospel and people would get saved. Until one day, a dear old faithful brother in the Lord came up to her and rebuked her in the name of Jesus for preaching. So she quit. Not out of anger, but out of submission. What a wonderful spirit that woman had and what a mess. I mean seriously. And that's why I address these things. Another reason why I know that, why I don't think Paul wrote that other is because it says woman's supposed to be quiet as the law says. Hey, Moses to Malachi, it's nothing in there. Nothing in there. So what I'm saying, girls, is as long as you're in this house, if the, if, if the uh, anointing is in there, get your preach on. Because I'm as good a preacher as any of you, and I'm not scared. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's a joke, okay? Y'all knew that, didn't you? Okay, all right. Where are we? Where'd I go? Oh, yeah, but women have Jezebel spirits. Well, some of them do. Some men have Absalom spirits. Some men have Korah spirits. And, you know, there's a whole lot more trouble caused rebellion-wise in the in the stories by men than by women. But you never hear much about that. Anyway, I'm going there because they brought this woman to Jesus and they made him, her stand in front of everybody and they said this woman was caught in adultery. Moses said we should, we should kill her. What do you say? And Moses did say that. Uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 20 verse 10. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Which would prompt some people to say, who is my neighbor? But he went on and he, uh, and he also reiterated it in Deuteronomy twenty two, twenty two. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. And so they brought this woman and said she was caught in the act of adultery. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, you know, I, it's a good thing that I'm not Jesus. Because I would have said something smart. You know, I would have said something like, oh, so you've already killed the guy, right? Why didn't you just kill her when you killed him? Yeah. Um, see, this, one, this is what happens when we come with an agenda to the scriptures. Because technically, yeah, it, it did say that, but I, they kind of gapped out somewhere here on the way they were applying things and the way that it was supposed to, that it was supposed to come down. And so when we come, what I mean by coming to the scripture with an agenda is we've already made up our mind about something and we're just coming to the scripture to get something to support what we already think. It is of the utmost importance to learn this simple fact. Like I said, I'm going to say some really good things today, and this is one of them. So uh, watch this space. There's, there's something, something coming right now, and here it comes. The Scripture isn't given to me so that God can deal with others. The Scripture is given to me so that God can deal with me. He didn't, he didn't give me the Scripture to tell me what's wrong with Wade. He didn't give me the scripture to tell me what's wrong with Ken or to tell me what, I'm not going to say any of the women here because there's nothing wrong with any of them, but he he didn't give me the scripture, you know, he gave me the scripture and and he really didn't give me the scripture to tell me what's wrong with me because I already had a pretty good idea about that. Now I'll find that out from time to time, but to deal with me and oftentimes dealing with me is reminding me of how much he loves me. Oftentimes, dealing with me is, is, is reminding me of what he's actually called me to. Oftentimes, dealing with me is, is encouraging me. It, it, it's, it's reminding me, you really are predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. I really have begun a good work in you, and I actually will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You are my beloved. And sometimes it's, hey, you know. It's, it's, it's those things, but he doesn't slap my wrist for Mike's sake. He just simply does for my sake. And when I read to impact others, I quickly lose my way. When I read to impact me, I encounter God. But their target wasn't this woman. She was just the, the one they were callously willing to sacrifice he was the collateral damage and there's virtually always collateral damage when we come to scripture with an agenda their target was jesus the 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 religious wars can be even more fierce than the gender wars and especially if they're combined with a, a political power and and religious power both at the same time and jesus was threatening them on both of those levels and so uh, that that trumped even the gender war thing. When people get ready to go into ministry, um, let me just say this because I want to be sure that some of you are in the ministry. Some of you want to go into ministry, but, uh, oftentimes they're told as they get ready to go into ministry that there's really three big things that they need to, to look out for three things that will really get your ministry money, sex, and power. Those are the big three and those are three big things that you have to really look out for But I don't think any of those are the biggest I think the biggest is insecurity Because when you feel threatened You can't you you do crazy things When you feel threatened you get defensive when you feel when you feel Threatened you're no longer able to protect the flock. You're too busy protecting you And so you just have to realize, hey, this belongs to God. It's His. And if He wants whatever influence I have, or you have, or any of us have, He gave it. And if He wants to take it away, He can take it away. Because there's really only one that we need influence with, and that's Him. Because He's the only one who can do anything about anything. So Jesus, of course, you know what He said, what He did. Let any of you who is without sin casts the first stone which is very reminiscent of uh, matthew 7 3 we're familiar with this why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye uh we know this because that's such a striking illustration it's such a striking example uh you just can't you know you, you once you hear it it's with you and so it's it's we know this teaching and because we know it, we think we own it. But in truth, knowing something and owning something are two very different things. Even if you know something well, and sometimes we'll know something so well, we think, well, we must surely we do it because we know it. In fact, knowing makes things worse if you don't do it. I mean, over in, over in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said that the servant who knows what his master's will is and doesn't do it, Will be punished much more severely than the servant who didn't know his master's will. He'll be punished less. And James says not many should not many should presume to be teachers because they're going to be judged, they're going to be judged more harshly because of what they know. And so just just very briefly, I I, I felt like I needed to go here because I read some of your Facebook pages. <laughs> we know love your enemies. Who said that? Yes, that's right. When in doubt, say Jesus. (laughs) When certain, say Jesus. But when in doubt, say Jesus. Yeah, correct. Jesus did say that. (laughs) We know pray for those in authority. Who said that? Actually, no, it was Paul, but that's, (laughs) but it was the same spirit. (laughs) It's the same, same, same spirit. We know pride goes before a fall. We we know these things. Yet when it comes to loving our enemies, we have a rationale. Well, uh, these are really God's enemies. And so I'm not. I'm not attacking them because they're mine. I'm attacking them because they're God's enemies. And we got to, I got to sort God's enemies out. As if you could. How does God feel about his enemies? Well, Romans 5.10 says, While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So when God encounters enemies, he gives his son for them When God encounters enemies He reconciles them So what are we supposed to do when we encounter his enemies? Maybe tell them about How much God loves them and maybe actually show it to them Through the way that we love them If you like that one you're gonna really love pray for those in authority Ah, yeah but you know we don't like the president we don't like the governor we don't like our boss i pray for him i pray for him to die well you're wrong you're wrong So we get the idea that those who've been put in authority over us, if we complain a lot and make their job a lot harder, then things will be a lot better for us. Well, no, but that's what we think. But maybe if we prayed for them, ask ask for them to have wisdom. Yeah, I did. And they made a stupid decision anyway. Well, you didn't pray hard enough. They probably need more wisdom. Ask for grace to be poured into their lives. You see, if their lives are going pretty good, then they're probably going to be inclined to want our lives to go pretty well. You ever been around somebody for whom things are going rotten? Are they fun? You ever been around somebody whose life's going pretty well? Are they fun? Yeah, they usually are. So the people in charge of us, you know what? I want their lives to be great. I, I want I want them to just have the best day, the best week, the best year they have ever had. And I want them to feel like I want everybody, I love everybody. Let's 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 have them have some good times as well. And that's what the scripture says. It says to pray for them so that so that you'll be at peace and Things will go well with you. Some of you are aware of the fact that she wasn't actually a boss, but I did have a, a coworker one time. She was in charge of, of uh, when I was working for the Social Security Administration, she was in charge of who got what interviews. And there were certain interviews you didn't want, and certain interviews that you did want, and I didn't like her. And, uh, and, and I used to talk to God about her. And God convicted me one day about the way I was talking to God about her because I was saying God take her out of here And so he changed it to God take her out of here and she got a promotion Uh, But she did move to another office when she got a promotion and six months later she came back and She had learned what it was like on the other side of the interview and she was a totally changed person and her heart had changed and she was now in love with Jesus. And, and I said, what happened? Well, I, you know, I prayed for her. That's what happened. <laughs> and when it comes to pride, you know, we, we, we recognize pride in others and, and everything. And we understand that, that that's a bad thing. But when it comes to us, pride um, just simply means we do better quality. I take great pride in what I do. Um, you should take great pride in what you do. That doesn't mean you take great pride in you. You would think if anybody would, would have issues with this, it'd be people in the arts community. And, and there are people in the arts community who have issues with this. You know, they're people. But over the, over the last couple of years, as I've gotten involved with, uh, with, the, with the acting community in Nashville, there's some good... There's some really good people there that don't have to take a back seat to anybody anywhere uh, But I would say of all the ones I've seen that the the two really the three best actors that I have seen so far in Nashville And they're really good all three of them If you were to go you're the best actor in town would go no there's no way I'm the best actor in town Man that, that guy's better than me that one's better this one's I mean, they got these great attitudes and I'm just kind of going why don't you people know Jesus? You're halfway there And they're going to Because we're gonna pray for them Let the one who is without sin cast the first stone uh, Matthew 7:2, for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you we're familiar with the first half of that verse, but the second half of that verse is, is probably more important on a day-to-day-to-day-to-day basis. If you're a generous person, a kind person, a loving person, you will find generosity and kindness and love virtually everywhere you go. If you're a, if you're a generous person, if you're an unforgiving person, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a person with a, with a hard heart and hard attitude, you are going to live in a stingy hard unforgiving world because the measure that you use toward others is what's going to come back to you well these guys at least finally got it let the one who's without sin cast the first stone they had an honesty attack which an encounter with Jesus often induces in people And uh, let me just note that the first ones to go were the oldest. Actually, children tend to get things first uh, as long as they're not spoiled. Uh, You know, I mean, when they're spoiled, it's it's a big weight for a three-year-old to carry to make all the decisions in the household. But they'll do it if you let them. But if they're not spoiled... Children, man, they, they see it, they see, they see hypocrisy, they see truth, they see love, they, they see things right off. And then as you get older, uh, as you get old, for some people, they actually start to regain that insight uh, that comes from, from innocence, the innocence of childhood. And, and when you combine it with some wisdom, that's a powerful thing. In between, we're just simply full of ourselves. And we need somebody to show us, oh, well, maybe I need to be walking away, too, from this situation. John 1, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we <clears throat> claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is, is not in us. Uh, I remember when I first discovered this verse, talking to uh, um, Some of the other people in the church I was going to at the time, and they were going, well, he wasn't really writing that about Christians. He wasn't writing that to Christians. The whole letter's to Christians. I mean, this is the same letter where he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, was he writing that to sinners? Uh, He's writing this to to Christians. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we claim we have not sinned, this is verse 10. We make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. In fact, over in James, where James says, not many of you should presume to be teachers because they'll be judged more harshly. He ends up that verse by saying, because we all stumble in many ways. But then in between in verse nine is heart and essence of God if we confess our sin he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness why is it just for him to forgive us and purify us when we confess why is it just is it just because we're going to be a good boy now it's just because Jesus Christ died on the cross there has been a a sinless perfect sacrifice that has already been made for every sin that you have or can commit. And so it is right for God to forgive when we go to him and we confess. You say, well, you know, but I've confessed it and confessed it and confessed it. We'll keep confessing it. Well, he's going to get tired. No, he's not going to get tired, but maybe you'll get tired. And stop doing it. That's, that's hopefully what's going to happen. And And not only does he forgive our sins, but he purifies us from all unrighteousness. And so Jesus looks at this woman. What must have been going through this woman's mind? I mean, can you you put yourself there for a second? She woke up that morning, I'm sure, thinking it's just another day. It's going to be a day like other days and it and there's going to be a day tomorrow like this day today And then here she is she finds herself suddenly Out of the blue Standing in front of a group of people with her life hanging by a very thread Very likely that she's not going to ever see another sundown And then in a matter of seconds all of her accusers have now disappeared. I mean, can, what a roller coaster. She must have been on. And Jesus says, are your accusers, where are they? Well, they, they left. And of course there was one there who still could cast the first stone. That was Jesus. But he says, neither do I condemn you because that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm here to do. Satan is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. It says over in says over in uh, in Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 that in fact his his name means adversary. Satan means adversary. He's the accuser of the brothers and sisters, and sometimes he recruits some of us to help him. And sometimes he doesn't have to recruit because we volunteer to do his work for him. We're very familiar with John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We should quote John 3:17 occasionally as well. I'm sorry. The, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. He did not come to condemn. We are his his emissaries. We are his ambassadors. And so if, his, if he came specifically not to condemn, then how are we supposed to present his message? Good news is good news, people. Yeah. Yeah. Say, man, I don't know. You know, they're, they're, but, but people are sinning. They need to know about it. They know it. They know it. Well, they don't act like they know it. Well, you don't act like you know it at times either. They don't, they don't talk like they know it. They know it. That's just bravado deep inside. We know it. We, we it, it, it's there. It's real. What they don't know He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What they don't know is that the same one who looked at that woman and and didn't say, well, did you do it? She did it. Who didn't say, well, you're excused because we don't have the God. There's no excuse. Who didn't say, you're not going to do it again now. Who just said, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Did she? Did, did she go and leave her life of sin? Perhaps she never committed adultery again, but I think she probably messed up. Because I, I, I believe she was still a human being. Uh, And I would remind us all that any sin prevents us from being holy. James says, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of, of breaking it all. And here's the deal. Sin that is covered by the blood of Jesus won't keep you out of heaven. But it will keep heaven out of you. Luke. 12, 17, 21 tells us that the kingdom of God is within you. We we try to set up the kingdom here or there. You know, we try to set it up politically. We try to set it up in the arts. This is Christian art. We try to set it up in, in business. We try to set it up in all these places out there. And that's okay if it's just an outworking of what's already in here. But oftentimes I think we try to set it up out there because it isn't in here. And we're thinking, if it exists there, then somehow it'll seep inside. But that's not the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom, of, what, what is it? We sang it. Kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which means that righteousness. Is given birth in our lives and once once that right standing with God is there then we're at peace with God and when you're at peace with God you're at peace man you really are and when you, and when you're really at peace then joy just kind of happens it's just yeah this this is what it feels like to be free this, this is what it feels like to really live and it and it's it, it comes it comes from righteousness. It comes from right standing with God. That's what, the kingdom, that's what the kingdom is. Until you've been forgiven, the kingdom of God isn't even possible in your life. Once you're forgiven, you're, you're free from slavery to sin. You're free from the fear of, of death. But being free and acting free can be two different things. I mean, if you... How many of you ever had a, a dog who... Uh, you didn't get as a puppy that just kind of showed up and and got attached to you and you got attached to it. And, you know, and and you and you love that dog.
0: Ooh
1: yeah. <laughs> Dogs are so wonderful. I love them. Just love that dog. And, you know, and, you, and for years, maybe. Certainly for a time did, did you ever have a situation where you'd reach out to pet that dog and the dog go Row! Row! Did you ever have that happen Well, then your dog had been treated very well But if a dog was used to that hand reaching out to him, not being gentle Then it takes them a long time to To break those habits. It takes them a long time to learn a different way to live. So we're set free. But it's a process to learn how to live in that kind of freedom. To to learn how to move away from it. And and the grace of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can give you the, the boost that you need to escape the gravity of sin in your life. And to the degree that you walk away from sin, that's the degree to which you're going to experience righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. Kingdom come here and now. The word of life has already been spoken. Neither do I condemn you. Go, leave your life of sin. I close with this. What did Jesus write? I don't know. I've heard some theories and I and I have a theory and it's so cool that I, I think it's probably right. <laughs> because Jesus was so cool. <laughs> but I've heard I've heard it theorized that uh, that Jesus was was writing down these guys' sins. No, he wasn't writing down their sins. They wouldn't recognize him if they saw him. You know? Pride. I think he's talking about you you know yes yeah gluttony no I'm not gluttonous I've I've just been married a long time and my metabolism slowed you know <laughs> I don't know what he wrote okay in all honesty but I think it would just be so cool if he just started writing down their names in the order in which they were standing round him, because they didn't, he wasn't supposed to know their names. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if he, if he just started writing, on David,
0: yeah,
1: Mike, Justin, yeah. because when somebody who's not supposed to know your name knows your name, they might know a few other things about you. Yeah. And they'd recognize their name. Especially once the it started building up around the circle He knows your name And his message to you is neither do I condemn you go leave your life of sin Would you stand with me (laughs) I Had a good time I don't know you know, whether whether you did or not, this was good for you. I mean, it just go home and let it. And I will be checking your Facebook pages. <laughs> with those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you're here today and you you need something, you know, this is a place. This is a point in time in a service. That you, God's grace can show up anywhere, and hopefully, it already has in many of your lives. But uh, this, is a, this is another specific time where you have an opportunity to pray with a brother or a sister. If you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need direction, if you need salvation, f- release, freedom, whatever. It's not just these brothers and sisters here praying for you. God's here. God's here. He's here to pour out his grace on you. He loves you. He loves you more than I do. So uh, we're going to worship for a few moments. If you uh, if you uh, don't need to come worship with us, if you do need to come, come, come. father of our lord and savior jesus christ who sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but to bring life to the world to bring the knowledge and the beauty of the father to the world may that same spirit that empowered him empower you to bring good news to those who need it even when it's you jesus christ our lord